Welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now, here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. So glad you're joining us either on 94.7 FM or through our podcast on iTunes. If you're a new listener, I'm an adoptive mom of four. We started this show almost two years ago, and today I have the second guest we ever had on back on the show. John DeYoung, thank you for joining us. Thank you, April. I am so excited to see you again. Oh, it's good to see you. You're awesome and you're beautiful. Oh, thank you. John is adopted from Korea. We met while we were working for Valor Christian High School. John is the creative director over dance and film there. And at the time, my first adopted son was two and a half. Yeah. Remember how little he was? Yeah. AJ is so cute and always (laughs) loved you. Remember he'd say, that guy with the scarf. I want to see that guy with the scarf. (laughs) John and I would talk so much about how we love the arts, adoption. Both of us were raised in Michigan and we love world vision. John came on Adoption Now and shared how he came to America. Yeah. It was not easy. I mean, you remember very little of it, but you were found on the streets of City Hall in Suwon, uh-huh. and you were getting into trouble. I was getting into trouble. The police were picking me up, I guess. You were taken to an orphanage? Yes. And two years later, you were then transferred to South Korea by Holt International. Holt International in Seoul, Korea, yep. And adopted by an American family at six. Carol and Vince DeYoung, Yes. You talk about how you struggled in your new culture. You went into a highly structured family. Mm-hmm. And the most memorable thing that everyone was talking about after your show was the garbage can story. Yeah, I still eat from the garbage can. It's a, <laughs> it's a bad habit. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, the, the thing that um, probably as a child I probably reverted back to is maybe something with my survival instincts on the streets of Korea. So whenever I, whenever I would get in trouble or felt the need to maybe lash out, the way I would do that is I would open up the uh, underneath the sink, the cupboard, and I would just pull out the garbage, and I would just, like, eat garbage. Like, I would eat what's ever left over from the chicken, ham, whatever, and I would just sort of do that to somehow lash back out to my parents of some sort or, or, or asking for attention or whatever it was. So at the time, that was a that was a response I just naturally had. So When you think about that, you think about this little boy that has been on his own. You don't have parents. Mm-hmm. You have learned to take care of yourself. You're kind of a street performer at that yep, time. I was. And now you're coming into a home and they're saying, nope, you're going to do it this way. And so in your little rebellion, you were saying, no, I don't need anybody to take care of me. And we find that a lot with older children that come over. They don't feel like they need parents. Right. And parents are not always trained on how to deal with that. And it sounds like your parents didn't have any attachment training. They knew very little what to expect in bringing home an older child. And so things were were very, very difficult for you. We're going to talk about that in a second. But the thing on the podcast that I love the most is when you encouraged our listeners and us as parents, and you said the word that you used was to be open to discovery. Mm Mm-hmm. And to really know who your child is, discover your child. That's your real job. We think about as parents, let's get them dressed and let's, you know, take care of hygiene and make sure they're fed and good schooling. But our job as parents, whether it's biological or adopted, 
is to discover who this little person is and help them discover themselves. And you kind of felt like that did not happen in your family. Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, if you look back in the uh, 70s, there was not a lot of education about adoption. And so, you know, that's why your show is so important because you're educating, you're, you're allowing people to hear and, and, and recognize that there are many facets to adoption and to a child. So uh, my parents probably didn't get any education. They, you know, went to Holt International, picked a child, paid the fees, picked me up at the Chicago International Airport, and then I was home. Like there wasn't a book, there, you know, right. and all that. So they're doing the best they can. And they just put me in a very, um, that, you know, they had a child. Oh, look, he's a little Asian boy. So let's get him on the violin and, you know, make sure he's in advanced <laughs> class, <laughs> advanced classes and he does good math or whatever it was. But whatever the stereotypes were, they, they probably had a little bit of that going on. And then they had an idea in their head of what child they wanted, but they mm-hmm. don't, they didn't know my story. And not knowing my story, had a hard time discovering who I was and how my how I was being shaped and molded through my, you know, life. So. Mm-hmm. Like as if you were supposed to start living at six years old, right? You just yep. come in like you just got born. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much yep. for everything. Yep. And children don't feel that way. Right. They have a whole history that they're yep. coming in with and they want to be understood and they yep. want to be heard. And that has to be very challenging when you're talking about a language barrier as well. Yeah. You add the language barrier to that, cultural barriers, and then you shove them into Louisville, Kentucky in a nice little suburban home. That that's 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 culture shock for the child. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also culture culture shock for the family. And right. then if if there isn't a lot of communication between, I'm speaking Korean, they're speaking English, and I'm eating the garbage, and I'm screaming, yelling, or whatever's going on. Right. That that could be frantic. And then and then I think what it may trigger also is the parents go like, well, I don't know what to do. And then they're and then it just it, it, it can just kind of snowball from there. You know. Right. And then they try other yeah. things and they fail, and then it really becomes about them as a parent. Yeah. And it can lead to disaster and broken relationships. And so mm-hmm. we want to, as a show, say, wait, 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 we don't have to do that. There's right. other ways of parenting. There's outside help. We can now get education to help these little people that we are bringing into our family right. grow and understand who they really are. Mm-hmm. You can find that full story on Adoption Now podcast under John DeYoung at adoption-now.com. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the update on your parents and an update on your life. Sure. We're also going to talk about the work you're doing now to stop human trafficking. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about how adoption and human trafficking can go hand in hand. Very interesting, the things that I have learned on this adoption (laughs) journey. So first of all, give us an update. Um, I'm engaged. <clears throat> yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm engaged to a lovely woman by the name of Krista Van Allen, and she also is in ministry as well. Um, and uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful um, um, courtship. Visit. Yeah, oh. well, courtship. Yeah, we'll say that. I was going to go to the parents. Oh, there. sorry. I tried to finish your sentence right there. <laughs> well, the courtship was awesome. The courtship was really awesome. I, uh, I took her up to the mountains. We did a little Bible study, and then <clears throat> I brought her bunny rabbit. And the little bunny had a little necklace around him, and I said, will you marry me? Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yep. That bunny's named Gus Gus. So we're good. <laughs> okay. So you had an interesting visit recently. Yeah. Yeah. During the Christmas break, um, I took Krista home, and this was the first time for her to meet my parents. And she'd only talked to my parents one time before, which was a conversation I was having with them about her coming. And my mother was like, hi, Krista. And Krista's like, 
hi, Carol. <laughs> and that was it. So, um, <clears throat> so when they got there, uh, when we got there, um, we just had an amazing time. And of all the visits I've had in the you know last decade, decade and a half, I had with my parents, this was by far the best. And it was it was fascinating. It was so cool to experience something new with my family. I think, and I think the the um, element, the ad- additional element of Krista Van Allen being there was a real cool buffer. At the same time, she was observant to see how me and my parents interacted. And um, but it was it was a beautiful time. I think it was a great start of a healing process, and then mm-hmm. in, in some communication with my parents as well. That's really amazing. I think that bringing somebody in to kind of look at the whole situation is so helpful. And I think that it's interesting. We talked a little bit about this, how Krista could see them as adults, not just your parents. Mm -hmm. Like this is how these adults function. Mm -hmm. And this is what you're thinking they're thinking, but Mm -hmm. I don't think they're thinking that. (laughs) And I wonder how much that happens in families. You know, we always take time out with our kids to say, Hey, are you feeling, are you feeling this way? You know, try to see it from their little eyes Mm -hmm. because oftentimes they think that they're responsible for things that they're not. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like something happens in the family and they feel Maybe it's their fault mm-hmm. or they're really upset about something that happened. We had puppies. Those of you who follow the podcast, <laughs> we had nine yeah. puppies and we got rid of them. And then when they were gone, we had to do all this cleanup. Like, how are you guys feeling about the puppies? Are you sad? What's going on? I'm like, we are never doing this again. But getting down on their level and yeah. saying, we just had a change. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? If your parents could do that with you and say, how did you feel growing up, John? And what are some roles that you took on that maybe we didn't know we gave you or you were feeling? And one of the things you said was you really felt like maybe you were the worst kid ever. Yeah. Yeah. I really felt um, <clears throat> growing up because uh, I was getting a lot of trouble. I was pretty rebellious. So I think we might have said that in the last podcast as well. Right. <laughs> but um, I always felt that I was the uh, black sheep. I was I was the one child that wasn't, um, you know, uh, meeting expectations or, or uh, doing the things that were, I was supposed to be doing. Um, and a lot of times I think just kids just put on a lot of kids just put on self expectation as well. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, they just put on stories onto themselves and they don't even know it. And, and it's, and it's, it's a good responsibility for the parents to be like, Hey, what, what, what is happening with you? You know, what's going on with you? How are you feeling about these things? And then, so um, I think that um, it's interesting with my parents that, um, out of conversation, it came up that I wasn't the worst child for my mother and that like raised my eyebrow. I'm like, what? And so we're having this conversation and talking about all the little, you know, naughty things I did. And I just asked, well, was I the worst kid? And mom's like, well, she stopped and she's like, no, you actually weren't. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then the worst kid was like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> I was. <laughs> she was like, started a whole nother family fight. <laughs> yeah. You weren't the most difficult. I'm like, what? And I just sat there for a minute and I almost had a celebration in my heart, which mm-hmm. was a little bit interesting. Not that that's going to like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put any weight upon my sisters, but yeah, it was a, it was a fascinating moment for me. So it, it opened up some doors as well. It just really makes me reflect on being a parent and what I want my children to walk away with. And also their understanding of what we were going through as parents. Yeah. There's a time when you are an adult where you should have those conversations with your parents mm-hmm. where you can understand both sides if you can, if they're open. But I think that that is so healthy and we try to keep that communication open. It is not always easy for our little people to say, Hey, you know how I feel. <laughs> and so you have to take them out. I take AJ out 
mm-hmm. to breakfast, my girls out to lunch. And I say, hey, let's just talk. And, you know, if you start talking about something they like in their world, they may open up to you. Yeah. You just skip over the hard questions and you start talking about you know, My Little Pony or Minions, and all of a sudden, you're going to get a lot more to the story and understand your kids. If that's what I end the show with, is you feeling empowered as a parent, that it's your job and responsibility to know your children and to understand who they really are, then I think we've had a great show. But we have so much more to come. We need to take a break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. 94.7 FM, The Word. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Adoption Now is a nonprofit helping families connect to adoption through storytelling. Thank you so much for your support in 2017. Do you have an adoption story you would like to share? We invite you to be a part of the Adoption Now community by telling your story on our show. Come tell us about the joy and challenges you have experienced in the adoption process. By sharing what you have learned, we can inspire others. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to John DeYoung. He's been on the show before. If you'd like to hear his full story, you can hear that at adoption-now.com under John DeYoung. We have all of our podcasts there. John is just filling us in on his life. He was adopted from Korea. Fast forward, now you're getting married. Uh You're starting to talk to your parents again and have this different relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just feel like God is just continuing to use you to help the lost. Mm -hmm. I mean, I said that before that, and I feel this way in my own life is that my own brokenness when I was younger really launched me into who I am today. Mm -hmm. And same for you. Let's talk about what you're doing now with human trafficking. Yeah, we, um, I have an organization called Shift Freedom, and Shift Freedom is an organization that is a platform that is trying to collaborate with all the organizations here in Denver, Colorado that are fighting human trafficking. And we have a concert and a conference coming up at the end of February. This is the uh, third year that we've done it, and we have on Friday, February 23rd, Crowder Band is going to be the band. Wow. Yeah, and that's super exciting. Um, And his album is all about freedom. And it's all about forgiveness and about reaching out and raising our heads and seeing what's going on in the world and getting engaged with the world, which is really cool. Then on Saturday, um, and that's at Cherry Hills, and the conference is at Cherry Hills. And on Saturday, the 24th of February, we have keynote speaker Bob Goff, who's the author of Love Does. And then we have other speakers who are talking about international human trafficking, national human trafficking, and then what's happening locally And then we're going to be giving um, information and resources of how you can get involved in anti-human trafficking. Um, And we'll have many booths there and organizations that are fighting it and giving people opportunities to get involved. So it's not not just about shift. It's like shift is the collaborator. It's Mm. the catalyst to bring all these organizations together and say, let's talk about these things and start um, activating everyone and mobilizing the people and, um, you know, shifting from awareness to actual action. So. Human trafficking Mm. is the modern day slavery. Yes. And it's going on everywhere. Everywhere. And so when I hear stories, I can be connected to it and I can feel like, okay, these people are talking about human trafficking and these people are talking about world hungry and these people are talking about adoption. And we kind of have our categories, right? But I think when it starts to blend together is when you get more and more people involved. And I say that because... Adoption and human trafficking really go hand in hand. And I believe that 
because of my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that before if I didn't have the story that really changed our life. And I'm very passionate about the work that you're doing. Before I say the story, I want our listeners to be aware that this is not an every adoption. If you're thinking infant adoption is only about a mother being pregnant, she can't take care of her baby. And so she finds a family that wants to adopt the baby and boom, it's done. That does not happen in every story. It can happen and it is happening, but it's not every story. And unfortunately, there's a lot going on in human trafficking with adoption. And most of us are really unaware. I learned about this through our second daughter's birth parents. Mm -hmm. We had gotten the call to go to Florida. The mother was saying she was very sick. When I pulled up, she was in a drug hotel. Yeah. Tried to take her to the doctor. I mean, it was one thing after another. We ended up at a Dunkin' Donuts, her favorite place, (laughs) while she had a lot of caffeine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) she's pregnant having all this caffeine and donuts. But that was very little of what she was really putting into her whole body. So caffeine was, you know, the least of my problems. And I decided to not be focused on anything else but her. Mm -hmm. Try to get to know who she was. And when I heard her story, it changed a lot for me. Um, she just talked about how she lived in Pennsylvania and she had a regular job and she was working in healthcare yep. and she had a friend that said, Hey, if we go down to Florida, there's all these companies doing healthcare. Um, I know this great company that would love to bring you down. You and your sister, can you get your sister to come? Mm-hmm. So she talked her sister into it. She quit her job. She packed up everything. She went down to Florida. The girl literally pulled her up in this car to a pimp's house, dropped her off and left. Hmm. And when you hear that story, you're thinking, well, then, right, she got back on a bus and went back to Pennsylvania. If you have already come from a home of abuse, mm-hmm. it's familiar to you. Yeah. And she walked in and they were very nice to her and offered her many things. I mean, they offer them the world, right? And her and her sister decided that they would stay for a little while and they would check it out. Maybe... This would be an easier life. They offered drugs. They offered, um, you know, security, everything. And they ended up staying. Her sister contracted AIDS, Mm -hmm. which then this mother, Carrie, was so brokenhearted about that. She felt like that was her fault. So here we got loss on top of loss on top of loss. Then she becomes an escort, Mm -hmm. um, which is like a classy name for prostitute. And she's now selling her life. And by the time we had met her and heard the story, she was on baby number nine. So I left her. I mean, I'm like overwhelmed, right? Because when you are growing up in suburbia, you don't hear these stories. So I'm overwhelmed by this woman. I leave her, drive her back to her hotel, go and meet the lawyer. Hmm. Sit down with the lawyer and I said, I just met Carrie and, and my gosh, her story. And he said, oh, if you don't like her, I have other girls. And I, and I said, excuse me? And he said, no, I have other girls. I'm like, what do you mean you have other girls? Like you have other birth moms that are pregnant right now. And he said, no, I have girls. And I I mean, like my head is like, what are you saying? And he said, I have girls who have babies for me. Mm -hmm. So if you would like to pick out of another group of girls, I can show you their profiles. And, and I realized that is a modern day brothel. Yes. Right. Like he has a group of girls that are having babies for him. I am warning you, if you are on the adoption journey and you have been matched to a mother who is on her third, fourth, fifth, sixth adoption, 
you have to start wondering if she is selling her babies. Because in Florida, and this is what the adoption attorney explained to me, in Florida, once they become pregnant, they are pulled out of that human trafficking ring. So they don't have to be an escort. They don't have to be a prostitute. They don't have to make money that way. And so, I mean, that's way more enjoyable, right? You don't have Mm -hmm. to do that. And then you get matched to a family who wants to adopt your child. And then it's their responsibility to pay for your rent. You can pay up to $1,500 to $2,000 a month for your birth mother. Oh, man. And now she's getting money from you. The attorney is also getting money from you. And after she delivers in some states, you pay six weeks out post adoption. So up to $5,000. So she has gotten into a pattern and my birth mother didn't, but many of these women have gotten into a pattern of making money that way. And now they're human trafficking their babies and it's one loss after, and they're on drugs. And I mean, John, talk to me about this. When you hear these stories, are you ever thinking, how do you get them out of this? Yeah. The complexity of human trafficking is you're right. It's more than just, Oh, this is just a selling of a human person. It's, it, it is abuse. It's loss. It's complexity. It's trauma. Um, and all those things that are put into it. And the system, the criminal system of human trafficking is vile and it's, and it's just crude. And when you think about selling products of, of, you know, whether how you, how you market a water or how you market clothes or cars or anything, it's like everything is sold as a product. And then at that case, we have to figure out as a human race, how to stop selling each other in such a way that is for profit. And, and, and I mean, thinking about it, I remember you telling me that story and I just couldn't believe it back in the day when you're telling me this, you're going through this process and we want to like pop the cap on this thing. <laughs> we want right. to do something. We want to like go in there with guns blazing and do something. But like it's happening. It's happening here in Denver. It's happening in Miami. It's happening in LA. It's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, you know, when you look at the evil of the world and, and people who are evil, that's, that's just flat out evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at that system, there's nothing redemptive about that. You know, there's, there's nothing redemptive about it. And so when you look at how people are treating people, we who do nothing on the sidelines, just watching, that's, that's unacceptable mm-hmm. to me. And so when we find out about something like this, I think it's good to investigate what is going on. What is the story? What is the truth? And then get involved. You know, we have to stop these things. Children are being abused. Women and men are being abused every day. And, um, we need to, we need to actually activate ourselves, get involved, um, and, and start loving humanity again of just mm-hmm. who we are, you know? It is complex. You're absolutely right. Because when my husband and I found out, we wanted to go after that lawyer. And you know who was really upset with us? Adoptive parents. (laughs) Because they are desperate for babies. Babies. Because infertility is so high. And these women themselves have gone through so much loss. And so they're like, you know, I've been matched to this mom. And maybe, you know, this is her sixth baby. But I want that baby. And so don't go after the lawyer. I mean, then what will we do? And yeah. it was this thing that was like, this is huge. Yeah. Lawyers will be upset. Um, you know, birth parents are now losing their job. Right. And adoptive parents aren't getting the babies that they want. I mean, it was just like, I, my head's going to explode. Yeah. And so I decided what we can do is fight for the right of the woman that was put on our path. Yeah. 
And what we can do is give Carrie more opportunity and to Mm -hmm. teach Carrie that she has a better calling and to teach Carrie that, you know what, this might be baby number nine and you might have suffered so much loss, but there's healing even for you. Right. And we can start with her. And so we did help her. She did move back to Pennsylvania. She got out of that ring. Um, and, and her life is a challenge. It is very, very difficult. And I will tell you that instead of going after the lawyer, and this is going to sound so crazy to some of you, but instead of going after him, like legally, we went after him spiritually. Mm. We started praying. We started educating and it was only a year and a half later he lost his license. Wow. So he is not practicing anymore. We see that he is now a realtor. <laughs> um, but I, I just felt like, okay, this is small, yeah. but this is one, yeah. one justice that has been done. Yeah, it's small, but it's huge. Right. You just transformed two lives, one through actively moving one and praying for her, and one from just praying for her. And then what happened is two lives are being shifted. And if you look at the ripple effect of just one human, it is unbelievable. So that's awesome, April. Congratulations. That's totally cool. God's used you. Well, I tell the story just to encourage other people that Mm -hmm. we need to get involved with the people that are on our path. Yes. And if you are right now in the middle of an adoption and you're seeing that this is happening, do something. I don't know what that something is, but do something and pray about it and I am not telling you that that baby should not be adopted because that little girl, my little girl is supposed yeah. to be with me. Yes. And that was a part of our story. And so I would not have walked away. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's God moving in all these directions. And so I love that you're bringing that all together. Tell us how someone can get a hold of you and shift. They can go to shiftfreedom.org to purchase tickets or email me at info at shiftfreedom.org. John, thank you for being on today. Thank you. You're so awesome. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.